0: The setting around the Indian Wells Tennis Garden was its pristine self all over again. The winds from the day before had abated, the geraniums look redder, the snapdragons are standing erect and the petunias and pansies are adding their varieties of colour to the lush green lawns that are as soft as cotton wool underfoot. This is the most immaculate tennis complex in the world and this is tennis paradise welcome everyone to the tennis paradise podcast i'm your host Craig Gabriel, and joining me will be my colleagues Jill Krabas and Nick McCarvel. By the way, the three of us update the action all day on Bank of the West radio, so if you do come to the BNP Paribas Open, get hold of an earpiece from the Bank of the West living wall in the Exhibitor's Village. BNP Paribas and Bank of the West are the bank for a changing world, and the BNP Paribas Open is the tournament that has changed the tennis world. It was one amazing day of matches on Friday as a major winner rallied back to claim victory. Two French Open champions were taken to three sets, and an American has stunned a high seed and former world number one. We had Nick running all over the grounds chasing up these amazing results. Your first day at this year's BNP Paribas Open, Nick, and it was a feast.
1: Yeah, it really was. I mean, my first day, the third day of action, it was TGIF for Tennis Paradise. We love being here. We also love seeing Andy Murray here you know, a former finalist here. He's been through so much, Craig. He was also through so much in his match against Taro Daniel. Third time they've met this season. Murray lost that first set. He was also down a break in the third, but comes through really impressed with his fight today. We've always been impressed with the way that Andy Murray has used his backcourt game, fighting through matches, comes through, down a break in that third, wins at 6-4 in the third set, 700th career win. I love that he said on court that he wants to go for 800 next. Let's go ahead and hear from Maza himself.
0: Yeah. he was Besides getting to the 700th match win, what was the most important number for him in his career?
2: Um, Well, I mean, probably getting to number one in the world. Um, I mean, just purely in terms of a a number. I mean, that would be a big highlight in in my career um, to to get there. And then, yeah, I wouldn't say, like, during my career, I was focused necessarily on match wins, sort of numbers and things like that. However, as I've sort of got older and you're coming towards the end of your career, there's certain like milestones and things that it's like, oh well, you know that's something would be nice to achieve. There's obviously not many players have, have managed to, to do that. And obviously with all the difficulties of the last few years and everything, you know, I was on course to get there quite a few years ago and it's, it's, been, it's been tough. so um, yeah reaching. Reaching that number is is a really really good achievement, and you know it's it's not not been easy getting there. From you know, Greg was telling me that I got to 600 and um, Cincinnati in 2016. Um, you know, it's five and a half years to to get the last uh, to get the last hundred, so it's it's taken a while. But yeah, like I. Yeah, I do look at that stuff now, like I do look at the other players that are around me and around those numbers and, you know, it gives me some motivation and encouragement to, you know, to to try to, you know, get higher and and, and win more matches.
0: What does it actually mean
2: to you, that number of 700, and on court
0: you say, let's go to 800 now, the emotion of something like that?
2: yeah look it does mean a lot to me because i know how how difficult it's been you know certainly the last few years and then when you look at the the players that have done it you know you know mo- most of the players that are up there and have won that many matches are certainly the best players of the last sort of you know 30 40 years um and yeah like to be in amongst that is is nice and you know i've like i said i've i've looked and i've seen the the players that are between 700 and 800 and there's some amazing players that i you know watched when i was was growing up as a kid and um some that i'm aware are some of the best players that have ever played the game and like I, i know that they probably weren't thinking about when that when they were they were playing but yeah, like I would love to, to try and get there, and it, I guess when you look at a number like that and you see that it's comparable to some of those guys, it yeah, makes you feel proud of your achievements and the matches that you've, you've won in, in your career and what's been, you know, an incredibly difficult era, so, um, yeah. Oh,
3: uh, what is your important, uh, like, decision making in your career or turning point?
2: Um, I mean t- 2012 Wimbledon probably the period between that and the Olympic Games was really um, really important for me. Um, you know I think um, you know I was, I was chatting just the other day with one of the guys I'm, I'm working with about this and you know what? I- Like when like Roger won his first Slam and you know he he won against Philippoussis in the final. Rafa beat Puerta in the final and think Novak beat Songa and you know none of those guys had won majors before um, either. So and when I was competing to win Slams, I I ended up competing. Obviously, I played Roger a couple of times. I played Novak and who was on. I didn't maybe know at the time, but it's obviously what he's gone on to achieve. You know, there's obviously really tough finals against guys that had won majors beforehand. And um, when I lost that Wimbledon final in 2012 against Roger, like there was still like pressure building and questions getting asked about me and whether I could win a Grand Slam, whether that was possible and, you know... I was asking myself those questions as well because <laughs> so I was working really hard to try and get there and was not managing to to quite get over the line um, and yeah after that match against Roger in the 2012 Wimbledon final was obviously very upset for a few days after that and um, kind of accepted I guess that it might not happen um, you know I may not win a major um, but what I could control was, you know, the effort and everything that I was putting into it and trying to keep going and keep improving and, you know, winning that sort of Olympics four weeks later against Roger in the final on the same court in the fashion that I did was, was a big, big step for me in, in my career, I think.
0: And you know what, Nick? I want to also throw in this soundbite of Andy talking about his kids.
2: I think they're, they're aware... Um, My eldest one is aware now, she's six. Yeah, she knows that I'm, yeah, like sometimes she calls me Andy Murray, which I find incredibly (laughs) awkward. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, no, like I'm daddy. Like I'm not, I'm not Andy Murray, I'm daddy. And she she now does it to wind me up because she knows it doesn't like it, especially when she's around her friends and stuff. Um, So yeah, like there's an awareness there. I mean, they're not, obviously they're not bothered by that (laughs) delightful stuff there from
1: murray and we'll keep it on brit watch emma radicano actually took to court after murray himself she was in a battle with caroline garcia i mean we've seen garcia in the top five in the world radicano has struggled since the u.s open to find that form working with torben belts she's had some injury issues maybe some confidence issues the way that she was able to work through this match against garcia wins it 6-1 in the third set i think she felt pretty good after it as well. Let's hear from her.
4: Definitely a tough match to win. Um, Caroline is a really tricky opponent because she is really aggressive and plays very quickly so um, as soon as I dropped my ball speed and pace and she took advantage of that in the second set and uh, I'm just glad that I managed to adjust for the
3: third. Countryman Andy Murray just won his 700th match and I know you look up to him and I just wondered if you talk about what kind of achievement that is for him, given all he's been through with his body.
4: It's incredible. I think Andy is just such a class player. I mean, the way he can put the ball in in places that you just don't want. And uh, I think that's a real great skill to have. And I definitely looked up to him today, especially I was following him and I knew he came through some tricky moments and uh, yeah I was thinking the same when I dropped the second set I was like you know you can do the same just keep pushing and I think it was great to kind of follow him um, in the order of play today.
0: Um, firstly did your paths cross Andy going off court, you coming on court, did your cross paths and then while every win is great how important how important would you say
4: today's result was? Yeah, we actually crossed paths. I mean, when when he was coming off, you know, I was there waiting for the match, and uh, it's always like uh, a weird one when you're following someone who's just won. You're like, I really want to do the same. Like, it kind of gives you that extra fuel. And I was really happy for him, and and he gave me like a like a fist bump, and you know, it was cool. Um, but th- yeah, today's match definitely, I think it meant a lot to me. It's. Uh, it's my first, like, not my first, my second win of the year. And I haven't played so many, but I've just had these injuries and niggles. And to come through on, in a big tournament, I think it definitely means a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really glad that at this level, I, my level was was good enough today.
1: I just wanted to ask uh, how physically you felt out there on the court. And also, was it ever really close for you to not come
3: and not compete
1: here?
4: Yeah, I mean, honestly, after Mexico, I flew home and uh, pretty much everyone was like, you're, you're done. Like, hopefully from Miami's 50-50, you know. And, and that was, at the time, that's like four weeks of, you know, rehabbing, coming back. And I was like, you guys, I mean, I I feel like I can listen to my body here. And it was starting to get better. And, um, yeah, now I'm just really glad that I definitely came. And um, I think that it's definitely just important to kind of listen to to your body, how it's feeling, and regardless, I know the the medical experts; they're all they're all top at their job. But then, if you're really in tune with your body, I feel like you kind of get a good good grasp of the decision to make.
2: We talked about
5: Andy's skill. I was wondering, what do you think your biggest skill is? And what's the main
3: skill you'd like to add to your game?
4: Yeah, I feel like one of my skills is probably. Mental, working things out, um, I feel like today I, I worked out pretty well that I was taking pace off the ball, I was playing too much to, to one side or the middle and uh, in the second and then I kind of reassessed and in the third set I picked my balls be back up and I was spreading the play more. So I think that that's probably one of my, my strengths, just working things out um, as they go along and also being a little bit awkward at times and unpredictable.
5: Just uh, the other day you were saying that you weren't used to the new normal quite yet So I'm just kind of curious for you What's the weirdest thing about your new normal? Mm. One thing that's like hardest for you to kind of get your head around or
4: The weirdest I think When people kind of like ask Well when they The weirdest thing is when someone gets like so happy That I like take a photo with them or like say hi I feel like that's to me, I feel like that's just normal, you know. I don't think that's anything like they shouldn't be getting happy because it's just me, you know. So, um, but yeah, it definitely means a lot when when that happens, and uh, I kind of feel bad because sometimes when I'm like practicing before the match, that like the crowd here, you can kind of see when people come off, and but. To get there, you have to kind of walk that way and you're preparing for a match. So I feel kind of bad that I can't do it all the time. But um, yeah, whenever I get a chance, I really make sure I want to want to try and connect with the fans and the people watching.
0: Um, after the, the, the incredible highs that you've experienced and, and then there have been the disappointments with some of these results, um, do, are you, do you feel that you're putting pressure on yourself or do you feel there is pressure being put on you um, that people are expecting you to win, unrealistically, every match you go out and play because you've won the US Open.
4: I feel like that probably happened after the US Open. I think everyone just suddenly expected me to to win everything and clean up everything I play. But, I mean, realistically, I, before that, like, if you would have said to me last year, okay, Emma, what's your goal for the year? I'd be like, okay, I want to win one round in a main draw of a Grand Slam and I I did that in Australia and that to me last year probably would have made my year to be honest and um, yeah so, so what it might be a poorer result now in people's eyes to me would have been the exact like a, a positive thing and I think I need to keep reminding myself of that and not getting sucked in but I feel like now people are starting to realize, look, it's gonna take some time for her to settle in. And uh, yeah, I feel like patience is a big thing because once I settle in and go through all these highs and lows, uh, yeah, I'll find some sort of equilibrium.
1: Our third match on Stadium One. It was a a thrilling afternoon session. Actually, Alison Risk, get this, down a set and not only a set, six love set and three zero to Garbina Muguruza former world number one, as you mentioned. Risk actually tosses her racket when she's down those nine games to zero, but that was the turning point. She then wins eight games straight to not only take the second set, take a lead in the third. We thought maybe Muguruza would find her form again, but it's Risk who stayed the course, comes through a roller coaster, and actually, for the American, eight appearances here in Indian Wells. It's the first time she's into the third round in her career. She was pretty happy after the win.
5: Yeah, gosh. Um, Honestly, so many things were going through through my mind. I was absolutely mortified at my performance. And I was like, people actually paid to come and watch this. (laughs) Like, it was like 20 minutes in and I was nine (laughs) nine games down deep. And I'm thinking, I'm ready to just leave this court. (laughs) So, um... In all fairness, I did—I I have beaten her um, the last couple of times and I did feel despite how poorly I was playing that if I could just scrap through just a couple games and get myself on the board, um, I was actually gonna have a chance and that's actually how it unfolded and um, she double faulted um, for me to break her serve to go 3-2 and I really had a good feeling about that afterwards and um, I do pride myself, you know, on always fighting regardless of what what the situation is, and I think today was just a prime example of that. And uh, honestly, I'm I'm really proud um, for that um, for that alone, just to be able to pull through. So, um, yeah, I just kind of uh, try to get myself going, tried to bring some energy, and uh, just get myself on the board.
0: Well, so have you ever been in such a situation before, at any level of, of uh, tennis?
5: That's a great question. I honestly don't think I have, not only with the score line, but I just think about the score line along with how I was actually playing. I mean, it was just a terrible combination. Um, you know, you're in a big stadium, you know, playing, you know, a Grand Slam champion and you literally can't put the ball on the court. So. Um, Honestly, I don't think I have. I don't think I've ever been down that much. Um, I've been down match points, but obviously, it's a little—you're a little closer at that point. So, you've been—you've been performing well up until that point. So, um, I would have to say no. <laughs> so, how
0: proud does it make you feel that you were able to turn that around the way you did?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Um, that was actually one of the first things my coach and husband were saying afterwards was this was such a, this was a much more rewarding win um, in the fashion that um, I did it over had it been, you know, an easy two setter. Um, I very well could have checked out and been out of there in 30 minutes, really. And so um, I was, I, I am very proud of that fact. and. Um, like I said, I do pride myself on that, and i I kind of always have throughout my career. Um, uh, it's never over till it's over. <laughs>
1: Sort of a three set theme too. We go from Radakanu to Risk to Simona Halep, who had a tough customer in Ekaterina Alexandrova. She comes through in three sets. We know Simona can play some top level tennis. We've seen her as a Grand Slam champion. Wondering if she's gonna be able to gear up herself this Indian Wells. Let's check in with the Romanian.
3: It's always tough to play the first match of the tournament and uh, she's a super difficult opponent. I played before and I knew that it's gonna be a tough battle. But I'm happy that I could win. It's important at this stage. And, um, yeah, I take only the positives. So uh, it was a good match.
0: So, coming back over here, where you've had such success in the past, um, is it? A, do you have a different mindset when you come and play here?
3: Well, um, the most uh, important thing, I think, is uh, to take the great memories and to try to make the transition in the moment that you, you are here. So, yeah, I... I like to play here, I like the conditions. The wind is not easy, but um, the rest, I feel good. So yeah, I'm pretty confident when I come here every time, but you never know at this, uh, this level. So I'm just taking day by day and I'm trying to just reach the level that I've been before.
1: talked about getting back to your top level. I'm just curious, how close do you feel you are to that right now? And if you're not quite there, what do you think it'll take to you to get that
3: extra bit? Honestly, I'm not that close, in my opinion. Uh, But um, I'm working hard to do that. I'm focused on some things uh, and I just uh, stick to the plan. Uh, Of course, with matches, I need matches, so hopefully I can win one or two more matches. Um, I need that confidence, but physically I'm super good. I feel healthy, I feel uh, in a good shape. Uh, so, it's just, I think, matter of time uh, to come back to the level that I had, and um, I'm not stressing about that. I'm just doing as much as possible every day to, to get to that level.
0: Those are all absolutely hot stuff, Nick. I mean, but there was so much more going on. I mean, you didn't know where to look, and as I said before, you were running around the courts.
1: Yeah, well, I was busy around the grounds. actually checked in. There's so much good doubles that's already kicked off. John Isner and Jack Sock. Upsetting I guess you can say on paper Mekdic and Pavic even though we know Isner and Sok are some of the best doubles players in the world They come through in a match tiebreak. Yeah, I'm just looking at my order of play from today So much good stuff have to call out Iga Sviantek coming through in three sets That was not an easy
0: battle against Kalanina, but not an easy battle She lost the first set, but then when you look at the rest of it I thought she was gonna get a double bagel. It was six love six one.
1: Yeah, she uh, change some tactics, I think, there, and also just settled down. She spoke after with Tennis Channel and just said, okay, lost the first set, let's reset. Lost the first set for Harriet Dart, too, a good day for the Brits. She comes through against Alina Svitolina. We know that Svitolina, obviously, her mind and her heart might be elsewhere right now with what's going on in Ukraine, but Svitolina not able to take out Harriet Dart, who's having a, a great run, qualifies, and now into the third round. And last but not least, you know, we're always waiting to see who comes next, right? We know Emma Raducanu is a Grand Slam champion. These youngsters are, are making their mark. Holger Rune, he is a Danish player. He qualifies, he's still a teenager, and he gets a win today as well out there on court against Hugo Humbert, the Frenchman. Next up for him, Craig, on Sunday is Matteo Bertini. Can't wait for that one.
0: Well done, Nick. I mean, your first day. Are you exhausted?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was. uh, One of our producers said, is is it like riding a bike? Because I haven't done any tennis since the US Open. It it felt wonderful to be back here, be back on the team. And truly, it feels like tennis paradise. You know, I I didn't, I was not here in October. I think it felt a little bit different, but this, this feels right. The crowds were amazing. I think we're expecting even bigger crowds this weekend. And I just consider myself lucky to be one of the many
0: people here to watch some tennis. Well done. Thanks, Nick. You're listening to the Tennis Paradise podcast. We're delighted to have you join us. If you have not been to the BNP Paribas Open and the Indian Wells Tennis Garden, you need to put it on your bucket list. And now to the action scheduled for the middle Saturday of the award-winning championship. And for that, I'm calling on Jill Krabass. You cite the player with the winningest record at the Majors is on court.
6: It's just a huge lineup across the board, across the nine stadium courts. We're going to start with Stadium One. I'm going to focus on the second match first, which is Rafael Nadal against Sebastian Corda. I mean I couldn't believe that first of all when I was watching Corda the other day and just thinking wow if he wins he's going to play Rafael Nadal that's going to be definitely a match to go to so that is super exciting to see that that's the second one
0: and you know what Rafa <laughs> is is Sebi's hero and did you know that that uh, Sebi's cat is he even named after Rafa?
6: I know, you told me that the other day. I didn't know that actually at first, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be fun, and they practiced exactly. together before the tournament started, so I mean, I, I think they've practiced before, too. I've seen them on the court in various tournaments, but that is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then, of course, we're going to the first one, though, because Rafa's going to in court are going to be followed by the number one player in the world, Daniel Medvedev. He's up first at 11, and that's going to be fun to see him back out here first tournament ever as the number one player in the world and he's playing a Czech player Tomáš Máček so that's going to be fun to see him out here.
0: I don't know where to look on this order of play I really don't I ain't... You talk about the uh, the women's defending champion Pala Badosa, not before three o'clock on Stadium One.
6: Yep and she's playing Teresa Um so it'll be good to see because I know you spoke with her quite a bit about coming in as the defending champion and her thoughts about that which was very interesting to listen to but you'll see how she handles that pressure coming in as defending champion of the biggest event that she's won so far and also the finalist that she played last year is also playing tomorrow and that's on stadium three and that's not before 5 p.m that's victoria azarenka playing astra sharma so it'll be good to see how both of those come out in this event And then another one um, I want to mention as well a couple of the guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing. We're talking about defending champions. Cam Nori is going to be playing on Stadium 5. We'll see how he gets on against Pedro Martinez. So his first time out against, of course, it was his biggest win as well last October winning this event. And Carlos Alcaraz. Everyone's been talking about him. Such a young guy, but. He just is just having such a great year. He's playing American Mackenzie McDonald. So if you want it, you definitely worth going out to see Alcaraz, because if you want to see the future, and I, I think he's gonna be a, a Grand Slam champion one day, definitely take a look at that match. And one more I want to, Craig, I know I know you maybe want to get a word in now and then, but I do have to mention another one, which is not before 6 p.m. on Stadium 2. That's Amanda Anasimova. She played the night match here in her first round and looked exceptionally well. And she's taking on Leila Fernandez of Canada, who's seated 18th here. Of course, she was the finalist at the U.S. Open last year, so that's going to be a really, really fun match to watch. And Craig, I mean, you and I totally agree as we were looking at this schedule that there's just so many to choose from, so if you don't mind me taking up a lot of your time, I'm just going to keep <laughs> rattling them off because um, we also have Jack Sock and Stefano Tsitsipas on Not Before 6 p.m. on Stadium One. Jack Sock is someone that has the power and the big game to disrupt Sitsipas. Pass. Um, so that's going to be fun. Sitsipas, he's always entertaining to watch, has a g- great all-around game. And after that, of course, is Naomi Sok- Osaka, who had a tough first round against Sloane Stevens, and that went to three sets. She plays very talented Veronica Kurtomatova. One that I love because one of my favorites of the ones coming up is Korda, who plays Nadal, who we mentioned. But another one of my favorites is Yannick Sinner, the Italian, who... Recently broken to the top 10, and he's on stadium four, not before five, against Laszlo Degiri. And then following that match is another amazing match Karen Hatchinoff against Jensen. Brooksby, a little contrast in styles in that match, which I really, really enjoy. Brooksby, very, very consistent off the ground. He's got great feel, great hands. He's going to throw in some of those slices and hatching off the big serve, big forehand. So that's going to be a battle of some contrasting styles. Nick Kyrgios, as well as on court. I mean, it's, it's thank God, it, this Terrace. Tennis Paradise, we have all these stadium courts available to us because there's so many stadium matches that all these players deserve to be on Stadium 1, in my opinion. But Nick Kyrgios' wild card plays last match on Stadium 2 against Federico Delbonis, And also last match on Stadium 3 is Jessica Pugula against Maria Buskova.
0: We could just keep on going on and on and on. It is incredible. Everybody who's going to be out at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden is in for an absolute treat. So get ready for the power, the aces, the finesse, the volleys, the winners. It's all here at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Thanks for being with Nick, Jill, and myself here on the Tennis Paradise podcast. Till the next day, this is Craig Gabriel.